I had a six pack of real beer in my hand. Mm-hmm. Okay. <clears throat> at the convenience store. Cause we can still do that here. Uh, so I thought it'd be nice. Um, cause I was in a mood. We, we'd gone for like a, an hour and a half trail walk around some lack and it was disappointing. And, uh, I, yeah, I'm like, you know, I just want to drink some beer and watch some TV, mm-hmm. you know, watch a movie or some shit. So I, I had my six pack of Moretti, that Italian beer that I really like, you know, the guy with the hat. I'm like, I want to be that guy one day. It's delicious. We go up to the counter and the, 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 the girl says to me something to the effect of, I'm really sorry, but I, I don't feel comfortable selling you this beer right now. <laughs> I, looked, I looked at Atti. Like, you got okay. cut off. happening here what's happening um i said i'm sorry i don't understand what you're saying she said well i i usually work mornings i don't normally work nights i'm not sure exactly when the cutoff is it's like it's like seven or eleven or something like that i said ah let me let me dispel any confusion here the cutoff's 11 and it's 8 30 so you can absolutely sell me this beer and says well i don't i don't know like there's no way for me to check and i don't know how to confirm and i i i'm sorry i just don't feel comfortable selling you this beer <laughs> so how do these things always happen to you <laughs> i just i'm like okay i just left it i'm like i just left it on the counter i walked you know I, i'm like oh well i don't want anything if you're not going to sell me this well, you could give it to me for free you don't have to the selling is really your decision i guess so I, I didn't go anywhere else to get beer i'm like okay well i'm not i'm not going to drive around from gas station to gas station looking for beer you believe in signs is that like a sign I do. I do. Because, you know, what else have I got? Gives me a chance to step back and go, you know what? This Heineken Zero is sitting in the fridge. I'll have that. It'll be fine. Does it taste the same? As Heineken, yes. Okay. There's a little, there's always a little bit of a bite missing. Just a little one. There's one beer that I found. Um, I'm sorry, this is always the show. There's one beer I found that's dead on. It's the Labatt Blue 0.5. Really? If you blindfolded, you cannot tell the difference between that and the Labatt Blue. I mm. promise you, you can't. It's dead on. And Atti found in the city, a Walmart or some shit, one place, like Maxi C or some weird superstore <clears throat> that sells it. So she's been going back and forth to Montreal and picking that up for <laughs> <laughs> While doing other things. Let's right, not pretend. Right, right, right. Yeah. Anyway. The commuter beer. That's good. Yes. Fascinating. You, I've never tried uh, what do you call it? A faux beer or a, a zero beer, a zero percent beer, or whatever. Oy. But if it tastes the same or almost the same, I've been reading. I usually read one fiction, one nonfiction book at a time. I kind of have three on the go right now. Mm. One of them is the psychology of money. Have you read this? No. Okay. Really interesting so far. Fascinating. One of the things that the the author references is like a a study of how people value value things based on price, and they do like a wine test. And they give people three different wines to try. And they tell them this one costs this much. This one's in the middle. This one's the cheapest one. So there's three different three different wines. And they ask them which one's their favorite. And everybody says that the more expensive one is, is their favorite. 
And then they tell everybody that all three wines are actually exactly the same. Mm. <laughs> There's no mm. difference. <laughs> so I wonder, your blindfold test there, if we just tried all these faux beers, if we would really tell the difference. Because it's interesting. I think I think I could pretty readily. Yeah. Um, because the... Uh, sorry, my watch is making the noises. I... It's the bite. There's the alcohol bite. There's that little sort of, it's not a je ne sais quoi. It's like, it tastes like alcohol. Mm -hmm. But there's also the uh, actual inebriating effect as well, right? So when you don't drink a lot or hardly ever, you know, one beer is real. You're going to be like, oh, hi, this is an interesting yep. you know, feeling. So I think that within, you know, half of a beer, I, I wouldn't be able to objectively say, because I could, I could certainly tell that tastes like alcohol and I'm starting to feel okay. the effect of So alcohol. it is the taste. Because so, there's certainly an effect that will or will not take place. So it is the taste itself as well. Yep. What's funny though, is that as I've migrated more towards the non-alcoholic beer, which is becoming a very popular section of the grocery stores, mm -hmm. the, uh, when I go back and I have like a normal beer, sometimes I don't like it. Sometimes I'm like, ugh, it's boozy. Interesting. I don't, it's like, oh, this tastes kind of like boozy and sour and I'm not enjoying that. Uh, but then the effect kicks in and the second one's delicious. So do you remember like when you were a kid, like you were young or underage? I don't know if you were or not, but I was. I was underage at one point, yeah. Yeah, you have, yep. a, you have a beer and it's like, ugh, yuck. And then you have the second beer and it's like, huh. First beer, I, I don't know if this is true for everybody. I assume that it was. First beer, I hated it. It's disgusting. Mm -hmm. I was like, well, why, how can people drink this? This is, this is awful. And now look at me. It's like, a, <laughs> excuse me, there's the, you know, a bad scotch. The second glass of bad scotch is good. It's been my experience. Are you uh, are you on the juice? Like steroids? You you a juicer? <laughs> Do you uh, <laughs> we've recently uh, we've we've purchased we made an Amazon purchase. We have a, uh -huh. a juicer now in the house. Oh, like literally juicing? Mm -hmm. Oh, I thought like this yeah. is something that on TikTok that young people talk about. Oh, no, I'm I'm not I'm not that young. I don't know TikTok. What? Okay. All right, <clears throat> you're gonna get me going, so I'm gonna ask, what kind of juicer did you get? Mm -hmm. I don't remember. It was the one uh, that Maya wanted. That was the one that we got, and it's great. And it doesn't. I guess the problem with most juicers, as I understand it, is you have to. It's like the cleaning process afterwards is like really. It's a lot. You get the strains. Mm -hmm. You get the whatever is in the type of thing that you're juicing gets stuck in there. This one doesn't have any of that. It's like a self-cleaning. It's a wonderful thing, and we've been making. I should, I say we, but really she has been making all of these recipes that are delicious and as we as we come in here look at this Ooh, oh hey what you got <laughs> a little, there uh, ginger shot is that what it is ginger nice. turmeric grapefruit celery oh there you go oh, that's like a that's all, a dose there there's all in one all in one. oh gosh okay so my question is is it does it cold press the juice oh, oh that's good oh. Oh my gosh. That's not as spicy as... Yeah, that's really good. Does it cold press the juice is the question. It's an auger, so it press, it's, it's technically a cold press, yes. It's an auger. There you go. Okay. The, okay, well, I was going to... That's what I'm talking about. I was. That's what I meant. What type of juicer do you have? Because you don't want one of those juicers that just takes all of the, the sugar water out. Right. And that's what you're drinking, right? You want some of the fiber content in it. Right. So the nutrients. So we got an auger. I'm happy for you guys. It's That's a big deal. That's a big deal. So now we're buying the buying the ginger, reducing the carrots, 
Getting, you know, <laughs> celery juice is delicious. It is. I it didn't is. know that. It is. Yep. You put a cucumber and celery, you juice that, look out. <laughs> you have no idea. And like the business, like you go to a juice store and it's like $7 for a little thing of celery, of whatever juice it is. And I'm just like, wow. Wow. Don't don't be afraid to start going into the vegetable juices. I was afraid. I'll be honest. I was yep. I was very afraid. But now I it's delicious. It, it sounds cuz <laughs> in my mind remember V8? <laughs> remember Do you V8? drink V8 sometimes? Do you? I didn't yeah. I didn't like it at all back way back in the day. And now yep. like what what we're what she's making here it's like delicious. Get you going in the morning ginger shots or whatever. Really like fucking fantastic. I've uh, I've used a vegetable juice like a V8 to bail me out of usually a traveling situation, mm-hmm. right? I'm out and it's like, all they got is like fast food. I'm going to have this either Burger King or whatever's over there in the convenience store. And uh, sometimes there's like a boiled egg and on uh, some V8, good to go. Hop back in the car. That's what I'm saying. Good for you, man. That's a big deal. I used to have a juicer and I had the wrong kind of juicer. I had, the, I had the juicer that just extracted sugar water. Took out. everything. So yeah, it wasn't uh, wasn't good. And then you'd have this pulp, this pile of pulp. And I was, uh, I thought, <clears throat> okay, I'll do what the the hippies do. They take that pulp pile and they make cookies and stuff, right? They bake it and they make like chips and things with it. It's terrible. It's it's terrible. <laughs> No, but you can, you can, I mean, you can juice anything almost like you got the grapefruits, you got your watermelons, <laughs> you got your gingers, you got your vegetables all lined up. Like, man, it is, uh, I, we're in the honeymoon phase of this or I am at least, but it yep. is delicious. Yep. Good place to start the day, finish your day, interrupt a show, <laughs> have a shot. It's really good. Not to mention you can, you can get all those second un like not pretty vegetables and fruits and stuff mm-hmm. as well. Right. Um, I don't know if your, your grocery store, some of ours do like, there's like this little sad corner where all of these, you know, fruits and vegetables that nobody wants are all the ugly fruits. Yeah. All the ugly fruits. And those are a great value. Like for four bucks, you get a big basket and those are just juice ready. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. That's great. Well, it's gone into our little it. appliance garage and it's, uh, <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> Will it juice? Are you of a generation? Do you remember there was a, a video on YouTube? Once upon a time, I think it was called Will It Blend? No, no. It was like, I think secretly a promotional video for a particular type of blender. Um, I remember David Letterman the... doing Will It Float? <laughs> <laughs> so they just put all kinds of things like, you know, phones and remotes and just, just stuff into the blender to see if it would blend. Okay. I was just thinking of that. Will It Blend? I like mm-hmm. it. It was a thing. Will It Juice? It was a thing. What are you up to these days? Stuff, you know. Do you have the... Are you? Does Labor Day affect you? Is it a post-Labor Day blues for you? Is it like a, you know, in Canada? At least I was talking, we had friends up or, or Maya's family up for Labor Day weekend at the at the lake. Yep. And when you're a kid, it's like a hard, hard stop, right? You're on summer break and then you're not and you're back in school. That always affected me when I was in school. Like, oh, no, back to this. Don't want to do it. Yeah. Now... Not so much. I mean, it's still like kind of like one season ending, but I kind of like embrace the seasons, you know? Me too. Does it, uh, do you have a post-labor, post-labor day, post-departum after Labor Day? Yeah, I, I think I, there's a bittersweet component to it. There always has been. You know, you look forward to going to school. So, because I get to buy school supplies and see everybody and it's fun. Mm-hmm. 
but there's also the, uh, you know, summer is quote unquote over. It's lately not so much because of the, the work that I do long weekends, holiday things. They're not really significant other than some people just might not be reachable, mm -hmm. I guess. So it's not like, oh, I'm starting school now, but there definitely is that vibe where, you know, business is about to pick up and everybody's kind of getting back to work and all the squirrels are putting their nuts in the trees. Yeah. So I, there's that vibe, but we talked about it last episode. I'm still trying to figure out how to not have that summer angst. Yeah. Like when people are like, oh, it's the last weekend of the summer. What are you going to do? It's like, I don't, I don't know, man. I just moved back to Costa Rica where it's yeah. like, I, it's not, I don't like weekend. that. Like it's not the last weekend of the summer. Like it's not just do something else next weekend. You know, like the weather here is beautiful today. Like it's basically summer. Like it's, it's no, there's no change, you know, just kind of like embrace it as we go. The angst is there. I think when you do have, you have kids or you are a kid and you are like going back to something. Um, but for me, no, the. I agree with the summer angst of like, am I enjoying this enough? Because in Canada or in northern right. U.S., like there <laughs> is this like it's a summer. finite amount of time that you can yeah. have this kind of weather, you know. Um, but it wasn't really that great of a summer. Like otherwise, it was pretty rainy and, and whatever. So I yeah, just kind of like kinda into the weekends, even during the week, whatever. Like getting into fall, fall's nice too. I can't. Well, I, I like I look forward to this time of year though because. Uh, we get busy again. <laughs> so there's the summer sales slump is never fun no. for somebody who owns their own business. What is that? You We're know? having the same bump too. It's just like, do we talk about this last time where like you, you email somebody in Europe in July and, and you get an automatic response and they're like, <laughs> I've gone to the woods for eight weeks. I'll be back in September. Right. It's like, it's really nice. Good for them. There's a combo of that. And I think there's, there's the economic times. There's all of the uncertainty currently that's kind of floating around so it's just universal i mean everyone's keeping their powder dry no one's sure if they want to spend on anything ever mm -hmm. um and i get it so we're in that kind of weird place where after 10 years of doing business we we totally anticipate that summer slump and we take advantage of it it's either a time to kind of do some work on our product or just work on nothing <laughs> yeah we're good we're good with both yeah um, but now it's like, you know, we want to, we make, we want to make our year and we always make our year in September, October, November. So there's that part of it is I'm, I'm looking forward to getting busy again for a period. Um, but the summer and the weather and that part of it, I don't know, man, I just take it as it comes. There's just no other way for to sure. be. For sure. I'm actually less busy now because I've, I was doing a teaching contract during the summer and that's over now. And I'm just kind mm. of enjoying, like I've got you know, read for 30 minutes on my calendar each day. Now I can go for a walk. I've, I'm enjoying it. Like it's, I'm, things are picking up on the business side, but without the teaching, it's really quite nice. And I'm able to like have that, uh, life work balance as I'd like to call it. Uh. <laughs> How deep are you in the, uh, the book that we've decided we we're reading our book club, the, yeah. the Woodcore book club. Uh, uh -huh. not too deep. I haven't got too far. I think maybe like 30 pages or so. Same. Yeah. Uh, I was just, I was this morning reading about intrapreneurs mm -hmm. and uh, quite enjoying that term. I like you know, it. Because this, first of all, I think the, the idea of this company of one, the, he, he needs to certainly broaden his audience because just by its very nature, he, he could go too narrow and it's like, well, that's not me because I work somewhere or I've got a bunch of people in my company. Mm -hmm. So he makes it very clear. I like initially it's like, that's, it's a philosophy. 
more than it is like a literal, it's just you. Um, but I really enjoyed that term and fleshing out entrepreneur. I normally don't like when anyone prefixes preneur with things, mm-hmm. having worked in an industry where I've met everything from a shoepreneur <laughs> to a mompreneur. <sighs> I, I don't normally like it. However, this one makes a lot of sense, right? Cause we, we gear our organization as, as something that services junior to mid-level executives and organizations mm-hmm. and entrepreneurs. The more I think about it, those that are kind of self-serving within the company in the best way, those that are being resourceful in what's in front of them and finding creative ways to advance themselves in their departments or their departments. So I kind of like that. It's like, I, I like the philosophy of just anything that challenges what the status quo is or just like just giving it some thought and not just automatically like going along with it. Like what is the goal for anyone like as an individual? Like what, what is it that you want? You know, is it to make the most money ever? Then yeah, maybe this isn't the philosophy for you, but if it's just to kind of like what he did, what moved to Tofino kind of surf in the morning, you know, and, and have a, a life that is balanced by work that you make, you know, I think he asked the question really early on, like, when is enough enough, you know? And that's an individual question and everyone can define that for themselves. But I think that's a really good one where if you're working for yourself or working on something that, and you earn enough, whatever that would mean, you know, there might not be a purpose to pushing it forward and bringing on, at least in the short term, you know, common hurdles, challenges that arise from hiring people and then training people and maybe having to let them go and rehiring and retraining and this, that, and the other, and obviously paying people. I mean, that's a traditional way to go, of course, but I like the idea of it doesn't have to be that. I like, I like an alternative. I've always been stuck in this. I, I've never understood why, for example, when the economy of a country contracts slightly, mm-hmm. that it's bad, right? If you're not constantly growing and you're not constantly expanding, then there's something not going well. What, what about this notion if even on a federal level, our GDP did not change like we're good like what what if we were just good (laughs) right you know right we got we got enough money we got enough people we've we've got enough tax revenue and i think this applies to social services applies to other parts of life too right like you'd see people wanting to get they get their first house and they want to buy a bigger house and they want to buy a bigger house and nothing wrong with that but there's financial implications that come with it assuming that a person isn't just sitting on a mound of money you know, you sell one house in a good market, but you're buying in the same market. Maybe you get a bigger, you know, bigger loan or, or longer loan or, or whatever. You know, is it a bigger house just because, okay, now my family's bigger, so I literally need more space? Or is it just because I think that's what I should be doing? You know, right. when, when is enough enough, I think applies to lots of other places as well, which I think I, I'm really early, early in the book, but I really like the concept. I, I've been, like you, I've usually got two or three books on the go. Um, I, I oscillate between, I'm not a fiction reader. I just, I can't, I just can't. I don't know why I can't get into it. Um, but I usually oscillate between something that's kind of highly spiritual and woo-woo and something that is very like self-help practical or business oriented, you know? So I feel like I'm getting my, my vegetables and a little bit of dessert at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I just started rereading Essentialism. And I really, really liked that book a lot. Um, I just kept going back to it again because it's about as opposed to like minimalism, just the idea 
of stripping things down to the most essential parts as I've, I just finished up Rick Rubin's book, the, the creative act. Okay. And in his last couple chapters, if you want to call them even chapters of that book, he really talked about working with artists to if how much of this song and instrumentation and everything can we take away? And it's still that song because that's ultimately what, you know, his goal would be is like, how can we strip this down to so little without losing the essence of what it is? Like you listen to some of the earliest Beatles stuff is a great example of it's like, you know, they had a four track recorder, a couple mics. And I mean, they absolutely only put things in the song that were essential to make that song better, Mm -hmm. right? And I love this idea of trying to apply that essentialism to so many aspects of your life, to to critically review all of these things that you, you have accumulated or do and wonder, does that make this better or does it just make it more? Right. I like that. In the house analogy, like I see lots of people with bigger houses and all they do is accumulate stuff. Yeah. More rooms to put junk in, right? Well, you wouldn't, would you get the junk if you didn't have the bigger house and what's, what's required? You know, what's, what's necessary? I think the Beatles example is a really good one. Um, even with, with our business, you know, the same kind of thing. I think not that we need validation or whatever, but we've always wanted to stay small. This book kind of is like, oh, that's, that's why, you know, growing a business is hard, right? Like, it's not like, oh, I'm going to grow it this year. Just flip a switch and just do it. But we've always wanted to, I think like you guys, just like, it's us, right? We want to be able to do this and we don't want it to be to a space where you then, in a way, you know, you lose control and you just kind of have products that you're doing just because it would bring in more money, but you're not really paying attention. There's only so much attention (laughs) that you can provide to to different things, right? Right. Um, You have one child, they get your undivided attention. You have two children, they get half and half, let's say three, et cetera, et cetera. So now, you know, we're, we're doing different things within the same realm and it's really exciting and it's really rewarding because we're able to control it. And it is, it is enough, you know, for, I think we're lucky. I think like you guys are that you kind of align on what you want from it and kind of from your life. I don't want a business where I'm working in it 60 to 80 hours a week. Like that's right. I would quit. <laughs> that's not what I want. I want that balance. I understand that's not for everybody. And some people have bigger ambitions than that, but it's rewarding. It's fulfilling. I think we help clients really well, not perfectly. That's, you know, we're always looking to improve, but it allows us to have a life that, that we like. And I think for me, that's, that's how I kind of define enough. We're searching for uh, an alignment in that, you know, work-life balance is a thing and values is another with not only ourselves as the, the owner's and operators of the company, you know, but to the 40, 45 people that work in our company mm-hmm. and the clients that we serve, right? So if if we're all kind of in alignment on what, not necessarily our goals are, that's the obvious. The objective of a project is clear. We all share that. But if we can share the values along the way, then it makes the work very not worky. And it makes the client relationships very frictionless. Mm-hmm. And again, going back to that idea of an entrepreneur, you know, a lot of the folks that we work with are individuals in companies who have been charged with a particular thing that they have to get done. And it's maybe not even their job to do that. And that's why they're hiring somebody else to do it. Right. 
And they need to not only pull this off, they maybe need to look good. They need to advance their career potentially or use it to leverage towards another career. So we're in alignment on that because they're trying to find a way to make this thing that they've got to do not be this awful backpack that you have to lug around for the next six months at work. Right. And it's the same for us. We don't want to have that relationship with someone where we feel like we're carrying something heavy around in order to get it done. So if we all kind of understand what we want as individuals out of this, because ultimately that's what a company is. It's just a collection of individuals around an idea. Um, then it works. So there, there's no separation. It's like, well, you're the owners and you're the employees and you're the client. And this is how each of those segments needs to be served. It's like, I think we can all be self-serving in this process. For sure. Uh, I'll come to the table. Just, you know, I'm not a, I, I just lay the cards out and say, can we make a hand here yeah. together? And, uh, and that that's for me, what a lot of this book seems to be leaning into is when, when can you stop and go, how does this work for everybody here? And do we even want to do it? You said earlier about improving, you know, summer months allowed you, you know, less, less business or whatever allowed you to kind of reflect on improving the product, right? Which I think the book is getting at as well in terms of if you're just working 60 hour weeks to maintain a business, let's say there isn't a lot of time in there to focus on those relationships or improving what you offer or what you do, which isn't ongoing iterative process nothing's ever finished or perfect i think that's why us in creative businesses love it because it's never finished like you can always add something or always make it better times change people change technology changes but if you're just working to maintain so nothing falls off a cliff there's never time to think about improving or serving your clients better right and if you do follow what this paul jarvis is his name his philosophy you maintain open spaces for insert the blank, right? He likes to go surfing in the morning. Maybe that's not for you. Maybe it's just reading in the afternoons, or maybe it's taking an hour a day to think about how you can improve what you do. And without that, you know, I don't think it would be, would be very, very possible. Yep. The, yeah. I mean, I, I, I loathe the, the, the sort of trying to, you know, hack your business and hack your life to, I, I just, I don't like any of it. Um, I just, when someone says inbox zero, I still want to puke. Yeah. Buzzwords. Uh, but I think that sometimes it's nice though, because it, it puts a little bit of sugar on the spoon and it makes it a little easier to, to decide I'm going to try this. Yeah. I, I, for I, for one have been at that tipping point, you know, my, our company, we've been working with a consultant for the last four or five months and it's really to dig down deep what we thought was maybe to focus more heavily on the the creative aspects of our product offering and the way that we're servicing enterprise. Uh, but what it really became more about is a true introspective deep dive after 10 years. Who are we? What do we want? And how much of it do we want to do? You know, and it's, it's funny mm -hmm. because I don't think a lot of people are fortunate enough to get to step back and ask those questions, but I would argue that you can't afford not to do that self-evaluation and question these things because last I checked, this is it. This is, this is, what, this is it. <laughs> like there's no like, all right, this is the dress rehearsal. And then the next one is going to be, okay, I figured all that out. One day you're just dead. Like you're just dead. That's it. 
So that's it. Make whatever the hell it is you're doing now. I think arguably the best it can be and figure out what the hell do you actually really, 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 really want. I like it. I like it. I mean, I'm every day trying to figure that out. You know, it's never a, a, an answer, but I, for me, I, I really value that just, I think that's why I started, a, you know, businesses is to have flexibility, to give myself a job. You know, if I wanted to work a lot of hours a week, I could just get a job. <laughs> I could go do that. That'd be easy to do. And then I wouldn't have to worry about growing the business because that's, that's not my job. I just show up and do it. So within that what do I want? I want, you know, some free time. I want to be able to have time to work out and to read and to go for long weekends and show up to Vancouver for four days, you know, and do this and do that. And up until now, I've been able to do that. I'm quite happy with myself that I've been able to do that. The next, and then looking forward is always how to make it better, how to improve it. And to the book's point to what you just said, I think is kind of parsing down, if I can say that, and just looking at what a business, you know, a business does what you offer, what, and is, is it too much? Is it not to use another buzzword, but like is niching down even further? Like, does it help you accomplish what you want? Where maybe I, we do have too many products or we have too many things and would removing one rock the boat or would it actually make the boat it'll go a little faster and, and right. more direct, you know, as you say, as the crow flies, you know. And never forget too, like I'm reminding myself, uh, daily, several times a day, you, you create this business, you create this lifestyle and one hopefully continues to complement the other, but don't forget to enjoy the life, right? Mm. That it's like, sometimes I have to stop and, and, you know, just recapitulate a little bit and say, where 10 years ago, if I could look at what I'm doing now, where I'm doing it, everything around me, the people in my life, the relationships I developed, all of this stuff. If I could just, if I could go back 10 years and then see myself now, I would probably go, wow, okay. <laughs> you know, that's amazing. Like you've mm -hmm. really come a long way in those 10 years. And I think that there's value in, in doing that from time to time. To, there's one thing to be grateful for what's around you. There's another to step back and say, look where you've come. Look, you, you were... I remember it wasn't that long ago, 15 years ago, probably I was out, uh, busting around teaching English as a second language for $6 an hour, you know, like, yeah, it, there's, there's gotta be a moment where you appreciate, I would have given anything to own my own business, to have the freedom that comes along with it. And it will certainly trade all the anxiety and worry, um, for the, the value that comes out of being able to just be someone who makes decisions that are consequential towards other people's income and livelihood, but you can do it in a way that you don't have to second guess what got you here, right? You can, you, it's like, look, if I, 10 years I've been doing this well enough that I can trust my own instinct and my own decisions mm -hmm. and I can make those decisions because often when we have that job with somebody else or for somebody else, I've often found myself going, I don't know if I, agree with that decision. <laughs> I'm kind of questioning the direction you're going with this whole thing. It's nice to be able to step back and go, you know what, I'm going to make that decision. I think that's well said. I, I was thinking about you and I have been recording ourselves talking together for like uh -huh. 10 years, 11 years, something like yes. that. Yep. Uh, that means that we're old, first of all, number one. And number True. two, uh, 
those are different people 11 years ago. And I think they you're were. right. Um, if they, if, you know, you could just look at those people 11 years now, you know, in the future now, I think that I'd be, I definitely would be very happy with what I'm doing. It sounds like you are as well. And that's what I've learned as well. I just like, I'm, I'm a creative person. I love to create things just on my own. And I think one example from the book again is, is that one of the, I forget his name, but who created the, that guitar string for acoustic guitars, right? In his free time, basically, that he was mm -hmm. able to, you know, you came up with something. He's like, oh, I, I like to play guitar. This string sucks. Let me add something to it. And it became like, I don't remember the name of it, but the best selling, according to the book. Elixirs. Elixirs, yeah. yeah. And... I mean, that's not my goal, but I do think I have something else in me and I don't know what it is, but I want to give myself the space and time to be able to just figure it out. I've been thinking a lot about these Japanese philosophies. <laughs> and uh, one of them I really like is Kaizen, which is like this constant improvement, right? Just good, slow, constant improvement. Um, and when I think about the application of that there's a new book coming out. I think Cal Newport, the guy who wrote all kinds of deep work, you know, deep work and, uh, you know, the end of email and stuff and just right. really, really good deep thinker around, uh, work. His new one, I think is going to be called slow productivity. And again, it's this idea of just really gradually making constant improvements throughout your life will, will lead to, I mean, it's atomic habits essentially. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot about that when I look back at even when we've moved here to, to Montreal, like I moved back to Canada in the last eight years, I think, give or take. And I, I'm proud to say that I've grown as a man, as a human, as an adult, and as a member of productive society, you know, that's that's the other part of it is one thing to look at your career growth that's objective and you can measure it but the metric to know that i'm a better person than i was is a little bit more intangible however i i can say without a doubt you know that little bit of constant work that i'm doing on me is is really making a big difference and it affects my business it's part of that cycle mm -hmm. you know, being a better person makes you a better better entrepreneur being a better entrepreneur can make you a better person. So that's that's kind of where I'm at going into the fall. That's where I'm at too. I mean, the obvious cliche is like at the end of all this, you don't take the money with you, right? So what do you do? Right. I mean, and then the catch 22 is, but in unless you go live in the woods on your own, you know, money is important to a certain extent just to exist in the way that our society functions. So how much is enough? What do you need? What makes you comfortable? And when you look back at the end, like, you know, at the end of the summer, do you remember the work hours that you did? Or do you remember the cool things that you were able to do during the summer? You know, I, I remember the cool things that I was able to do. And now we're starting a new season, you know? So, um, yeah, I think that's, that's where I'm at too. If you haven't, I'd recommend 4,000 weeks. Okay. Fantastic. You've mentioned that Fantastic. before, and I forgot. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, a recovered productivity guru, realizing that uh, you, you're going to die, so stop it. That's right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Stop Four thousand weeks is the average lifespan, I think. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Whatever you think you need to do, stop it. <laughs> no, no one cares. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's not really going to change anything. And comparison and, is a is a waste of time because I think that's another a note in the Psychology of Money book where he's talking about 
comparison as a natural human behavior, but it's a waste of time and it never stops. And that's why people get in trouble with money is his philosophy. His argument is because you're always trying to like, no matter how much you make, there's always someone who makes more than you. And if you have that mindset of, I have a business and I have to keep making more because this person makes more. Well, that's an endless cycle. Even Jeff Bezos compares himself to somebody else because someone makes more than him. Right. So eventually, unless you're that one person on earth who is at the top, you will always be comparing. And he gives lots of examples of people who get into trouble and end up taking unnecessary risks as a result of this. Whereas on the other side, just like, huh, what's enough? You know, I have enough. Let's just chill out and, and do what I want to do. I have a fantasy okay, that I'm thinking of pursuing. Mm-hmm. And I think it's possible. It's that I've always imagined the perfect life, including work, is one where it's kind of irrespective of clocks or calendars. Okay, I just I go to bed because I'm tired. That's it. I'm going to bed, mm-hmm. and waking up because I'm I'm rested. I feel rested. I like I'm going to eat because I'm oh oh I'm hungry. It's probably time to get something to eat. Um, I'm going to do work because I feel it's time to sit down and I'm kind of thinking about this and I want to work on this. Or I'm going to go for a walk because I feel like getting outside and doing this. And maybe it sounds like just some bohemian way of wandering around life and forgetting to shower. But I think it's more about doing the best that you can, t- can at the times that you can do it. And one would ask, I was like, well, what about your meetings and how are people getting a hold of you and stuff? And I was like, well, I don't know. What if, what if like you just answer the phone when you feel like it and when it rings mm-hmm. and maybe it's important, it's a client or it's a coworker or it's your aunt and you're just like, oh, hey, cool. Or you feel like, hey, I've been thinking about this project and you just call the client you just call them <laughs> it's like you don't you know send out your calendar and you find a time and i'll find a time yeah. and we'll get together and then i'll spend the next two hours having a shitty life because i'm i have a call at two o'clock you know i'm thinking about going like, like way way radical with this do you saying do you want to do you want to move to tofino together yeah i do yeah yeah. I think that's attractive. It is attractive. Yeah. I, I just, I want to chop wood and carry water and uh, read and work and exercise. You know, I think we can do that. I can. You want to go? Yeah. Didn't you buy a house though? What are you going to do about that? <laughs> logistics. Yeah. Logistics. Rent it to that's somebody. True. It's fine. That's true. Uh, we still have lease transfers here, I think. I would like to. I'm I'm genuinely questioning Again, uh, now well, what am I doing? Mm. Now what am I doing? You know? It's a good place to be, to have an option. I mean, it, you could probably have any answer you want to that question. I'm going to think a lot about this. You just, just I think, guys, I know we got to go here, but you kind of just, that fantasy... Part, you may not agree with this, but you probably kind of relive that a little bit. Like that sounds like a very Piedadis lifestyle. I did live that to a degree. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I I used to God, I'm not winded here, but once upon a time I was I used to go do talks in the expat community, right? So I mm. go to the Bahamas and speak at a conference. <laughs> One time I was in Vegas talking about 
and living abroad. I don't know how I got roped into it, but okay. whatever. I got paid, so I'm going to do it. Yeah. And I remember my first slide was make make your Monday feel like your Sunday. You know what I mean? Sure. Like this, this, this idea was, it's like, I remember on Saturdays or Sundays, sometimes I would work, do like Saturday. Mostly I would do like light work because schools are closed. Everything's happening, you know, all the good. And now I can just kind of chill, but I can like focus and do some work. And I can also just make some gallo pinto and then I can go back do some work, go for a walk in the mountains, whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's like, God, if every day would be like this, I would be super productive. I would be doing my best work and I would live to 110. And that was the idea is like, well, make your Saturday, your Monday. Like, what if that was what you did? Right. You just woke up because, okay, time to get up because I'm rested. I have some coffee and I said, boy, I kind of feel like getting into this project and just get into it. Yeah. What would happen? I'm going to argue with my business. That's the cliffhanger right there. What would happen? I don't know. I think it would get better. I think my business would improve. That'd be great. And just tell all my staff and my clients, you got my number. <laughs> When's a good time to talk? When you call me. When you call me, I'll answer. Yeah. And if I, if I don't pick up, I'm surfing. I'll call you back. I'll call you back. It'll be fine. I think you, you're going to bring voicemail back. That's what it sounds like. Oh, God, that would be amazing. Because now if you leave, a, you leave a message, like you're you're a psychopath, right? No one leaves a voicemail. Don't know. But I think... There's nothing wrong with leaving him. Like, there's nothing wrong with voicemail. Like, that's perfect. Hey, yeah. Corey, uh, have an idea about one, two, three. You must be surfing. Call me back when you have a chance. What's wrong with that? The CEO of Slack calls it, probably because it's what it's called, not that he coined it, asynchronous communication. Mm. All right? Just, I'll just leave it there. That's what we like about Slack. You just, I'm going to leave it there. You're going to get to it when you get it. That's cool. Same with the voicemail. I'm going to leave it there. Call me back. Or even, you know what? Don't call me back. Hey, I'm just giving you a call. I'll put it in an email. To a really small extent, I kind of do this with email. Uh, if you read the 4-Hour work week, I think this is a Tim Ferriss thing. I don't know if he invented it or he just learned it from somebody else. But where he would respond to emails twice a day. I think it's like 10 a.m. and 4 p.m. or something like that. Yeah. So the 4 p.m. because no one's going to reply back before 5 o'clock and then... They would just go in and then at 10 o'clock he would reply back to the 5 or 6 p.m. emails and they would just be like, so he would be super efficient because he would only have to respond twice a day and people think he's doing lots of stuff. I have muted notifications on email yep. and I just check them two, maybe three times a day and that's it. And if whatever happens comes in when I do check it and I, I deal with it, but it's not that constant. For me, it's anxiety of like getting notifications on something else has come in, something else has come in. Now I just, I mute them and I check them twice a day. I'm using a time block calendar, right? So where there's certain times a day where I will do what I call the administrative part of my job, (laughs) which is, you know, phone calls and meetings and emails and just, you know, stuff that's happening. So I've been running like a professor office hours from two to five, Monday to Friday are my office hours. I'm available for whatever comes down the pipe. And if nothing's happening, there's not a lot of activity. Sure, I can do some light work and stuff. But in the mornings is my deep work time. There's like from 10 to noon. It's I don't exist. Right. I do not exist. And then from like noon to like 2, I'm usually going to the gym or going for a walk and then coming into the office to do my admin work till maybe 5 o'clock and then I'm out. Right. So I like this. 
with the email, what I found though, is I sometimes I want to check my email at like seven, eight o'clock at night. I just want to, and I do, but I use that Google snooze send. Okay, yeah. So I compose a beautiful email and I snooze it to send out at nine o'clock tomorrow morning. The, uh, so I don't look like a psycho. Boomerang, I think it is. Yeah. I'm not emailing at like 11 o'clock at night. It's like, oh, look at that weirdo doing his work. It's a bad precedent. It's a bad precedent. Yeah. Yep. Oh, Corey answers email at 11 o'clock. Okay. Let me, uh, let me send some things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember when I started, I was, I had a reputation of having one of the strictest, most difficult calendars ever to get on because like you just had to jump through hoops and it's not because I want to be a dick about it. It's because let's be sure that this absolutely should be a meeting. Yep. That's all. (laughs) You remember the, you remember uncle Joe, Joe Biden when he got inaugurated and I do (laughs) more specifically Bernie Sanders being there and the gloves with his sweater and his oh, gloves yeah. and yeah. his frown yeah. and all the yeah. memes were Bernie and him. This could have been an email. <laughs> yep. Exactly. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. Anything informational should not be a meeting. Any, anything that's uh, like brainstorming, coming together to think about new, yes. fresh ideas, definitely meetings. There's no reason for information meeting because you have all these things. You have Loom now. You have all like you have all these things. It doesn't need to be. Yeah, I got a, I got, man, we get, we get them, you know, the client, new client. It's like, okay, so we're going to meet a standing meeting every Monday at uh, 10 o'clock to talk about the project. And it's, we're just like, uh, no, no, (laughs) we're going to work on the project and we'll let you know if there's anything we need to talk about. How's that? Yep. We're not going to meet for meeting's sake. Junior managers find something to actually do. That's what I say. <laughs> okay. I like that. Are we good? I think we're good. Oh, we're good. I feel like I talk too much in this one, but that's, maybe that's what we're here for. Maybe that's okay. I wish you well in your uh, search of real beer. I think I'm going to stick with the non-beer for now. But I am going to put some more energy into this idea of no clocks, no calendars. That's the fucking dream, man. What time is it? I don't know. Do you know what date it is? No. Not like I'm being examined by a doctor to maybe be admitted to something, but just in life, you know, I don't know what today is. No clocks, no calendars. I like it. I like it. Yeah. Just objective based, do it on your own time. No pun intended. Mm-hmm. Like if, if you really like what you do, you'll do it. Yeah. And in most businesses, a client doesn't care when you do it, just do it, right? So I think you have something to work with there. All right, I'm going to set my Slack status. <laughs> All right. I'll talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Do we have a sign-off? We don't have a sign-off or a sign-on. No, we, we did like the how are you, but I don't, I don't know what we do. Should we, should yeah, we make one? We I don't know. Or we can just let's have we a meeting go. to talk about it. We should have a brainstorming <laughs> meeting around the sign-off. Okay. Bye. Goodbye. <laughs>